Christmas trees and railroad tracks. What do these two things have in common? Well, I'm about to tell you on this episode of the Driving with Rob podcast. Christmas trees and railroad tracks. What's the connection? For me, there's a very strong connection. Because when I was growing up, we used to go down to the railroad tracks to get our Christmas trees. And I'll tell you more about that in a minute. But first, I want to invite you, if you're not already a subscriber, please subscribe. And then that way you'll get a notification. Every time I upload a new episode, you'll just get a notification to let you know it doesn't cost you anything. And if you'll invite your friends and tell your friends about the podcast too, they can find me anywhere they go to listen to podcasts. All you have to do is do a Google search, search for The Driving With Rob podcast, and you'll find me. But anyway, back on with the Christmas trees. Well, first of all, before I tell you about the Christmas trees and the railroad tracks, let's talk a little bit about Christmas trees. Now, I did a little research. I didn't do an exhaustive historical search on Christmas trees, but I did learn a little bit about Christmas trees. Well, what they say is, according to historians, that the ancient Egyptians used to bring palm branches into their homes around the winter solstice. And the winter solstice, I think, is December 22nd, uh, 21st, 22nd. It's just a few days before Christmas. And one of the reasons that we celebrate Christmas at the time of year that we do is because it coordinated with the pagan winter solstice holiday. That's why we celebrate it on December 25th. But anyway, the ancient Egyptians used to bring palm branches into their homes in the wintertime. And this was a reminder that Ra, the sun god, had been ill, but now he is getting better. And the days are going to gradually start getting longer. And they would bring these palm branches, because they were evergreen, into their house to remind them that things would turn green again, that it wasn't going to be winter forever. Well, and then later on, they say that the Romans, who had a lot of pagan people under their control, also did similar things, where they would bring evergreen branches into their house during the winter solstice to mark the halfway point of winter. But people didn't always have Christmas trees in their homes. Apparently, this was a German thing. And as legend has it, the great Protestant leader, Martin Luther, was walking home one winter night as he was trying to compose a sermon. And it struck him how pretty it was to see the stars through the branches of the evergreen tree. So he decided that when these Germans, who were still kind of hanging on to this this pagan evergreen tradition, should start putting lights on the tree. So he took some wire and tied candles to some of the branches to try to recreate what he had seen as he was trying to compose his sermon one night so that it looked like little lights were appearing between the branches of the evergreen tree, just because he thought it was pretty. And whether that's true or not, I don't think anybody really knows, but a lot of people seem to believe that that's how lighting a tree first got started. 
Well, when the Puritans first came to America, you know, the Mayflower guys, the pilgrims, they believed that Christmas was a sacred time and that they believed that no pagan ritual was to be observed during this sacred Christian worship time. So they banned the practice of bringing in evergreen branches, let alone tying candles to them. But as more and more German immigrants came to America, they brought their traditions with them, and that was something that they had always grown up with. That's something they always did around Christmas time. So when they came to America, they started doing it. Well, the guys that had been raised Puritan asked them, what are you doing? And they said, well, this is just something we do around Christmas time. So after about the second or third generation of the Puritans, Americans, of course, they weren't Americans yet. They were still subjects of King George. But Americans started bringing evergreen branches and small evergreen trees inside their house to give it a little color during the long, cold days of winter. Well, apparently, a lot of the Irishmen had picked up this pagan practice of looking at an evergreen tree as a symbol of everlasting life and of the eventual return of spring and of winter being halfway over that they learned from the Druids and the Celts. So as more and more Irishmen and Germans started coming to America, this kind of tradition of bringing evergreen branches and evergreen trees into your house around Christmas time started to be a normal tradition, and more and more people started doing it. Well, it wasn't until the mid-1800s, Queen Victoria married a German prince named Prince Albert. Well, Prince Albert, who came from Germany, where these Lutherans had put up trees and tied candles on the branches, Queen Victoria decided to bring a tree, an evergreen tree, into Windsor Castle. And it was either that year or the next year that they started tying candles to the branches. It was still a pagan tradition, but everybody liked it and it didn't seem to hurt anybody. Well, once Queen Victoria said it was okay, then all the Brits and the Scots and the Welsh and the Irishmen started having trees in their house because Queen Victoria said it was okay. And in those days, in the mid-1800s, anything that happened in England eventually made its way to the east coast of the United States, and it became a custom in the United States, too. And from the east coast of the United States, it just spread across the whole country. And I'm sure more than one Christmas tree caught fire because they had lit candles tied to them. But with the advent of electricity, now everybody's tree could have twinkly little lights on it. So anyway, that's where the Christmas tree came from. But now back to the railroad track. Most of the Christmas trees that you buy on Christmas tree lots are fir trees and spruce trees because they have that, that natural cone shape, that shape that we have all grown up thinking of as the Christmas tree shape. Spruce trees and fir trees have that natural shape to them. And the Christmas tree growers trim the trees to make sure they maintain that kind of triangular cone shape because that's the shape everybody wants. But when I was a kid, there were no Christmas tree lots. Christmas tree lots 
were only in the big cities. People who lived out in the country didn't go to Christmas tree lots. People in rural North Carolina just went out into the woods and found a tree and cut it down and put lights on it. So when I was growing up, we always used cedar trees. They didn't really have that, that nice Christmas tree shape, you know, the shape that we all drew in crayon as kindergartners. But that was a Christmas tree to me, and it had a particular smell because it was a cedar tree. Well, the best place to get a filled-out cedar tree, one that was full and green all the way up, was on the banks of the railroad track. And where I grew up was only two miles, maybe, from the railroad track. And the best place to get trees was on the bank of the railroad track because for a cedar seed to germinate and to grow into a tree, it has to pass through the digestive system of a bird. So if you could find a cedar tree that wasn't out in the middle of the woods, if it was out by itself where it could fill out and fluff up, then that was the Christmas tree you wanted. You find cedar trees oftentimes growing beside a pasture fence because the bird would land on the barbed wire and then magically a cedar tree would grow there. So a lot of times you see these, these trees growing up beside of pasture fences. Well, sometimes we would get trees from pasture fences, but what we found out was there was this place about two miles from our house where the railroad track went through, and there were these high embankments where they had bulldozed out decades ago for the railroad track. And it was too steep, really, for anything else to grow. You didn't even find a lot of weeds on the banks because it was all red clay, and nothing really would grow in it except cedar trees. And if you could find a tree growing out of the bank of the railroad track, that was your ideal Christmas tree. And you didn't really have to worry about the trees drying out, because cedar trees would hold their needles for a good long time too, just like a fir tree or a spruce tree. And they didn't come from 100, 200 miles away, on a Christmas tree farm, we would go cut it down and go put it in water that same day. So whenever it gets to be this time of year, whenever it gets to be around Christmas time, whenever I cross over a railroad track, I think to myself, we need to go cut a tree. And that's the episode on railroad tracks and Christmas trees. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends to Google the Driving with Rob podcast, and they can listen to it too. If you're not a subscriber, please click on subscribe. Thanks again for listening. Merry Christmas, everybody. I'll talk to you next time. Bye now.